Yo, yo. Am I blurry? <laughs> am I? Yeah. I am? You are. You These are. idiots. Okay, I'm coming right back in. Hold on. Yeah, Nothing puts Joey on tilt more than him coming in blurry. Morning, everybody. As you guys can see, I'm only in a mic. That was Joey Ryan. Still working on getting Corey. I got to follow up with them sometime today, this morning, see if we can get him on. Um, Corey's not the most tech-savvy person on earth, that's for sure. So, uh, But we will not. We, we usually get pretty good guests, and I'm going to try my best for you guys. So, oh, man. If, do I look better? Actually, it's still a little blurry. Oh, God. It's well, so... I mean, it's not. It's just. Yeah, it's a little blurry. It's a little blurry. I think we're going to have to go with it. You know, we're having technical problems here. Uh, we use a service called Restream. They're dogging it hardcore. Well, we, we used to use a service called Restream. We may Yeah, we might be it. changing. But, um, you know, part of the problem is with this service, you know, most people will stream on OBS. That requires more technical ability. And we've done that before, but it's not as easy as doing it on Restream. Restream makes it easy. You can add guests, things like that. Boom, boom, boom super easy but you can't control things like the bit rate and things coming out of it so it's a problem i'm really unhappy right now and they keep telling me check your internet settings blah 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 mike i got smoking fast internet like it's ridiculous i'll share my screen right now and do an internet speed test i mean if you want i can give you some tech advice since i'm uh, since i'm the uh the clear one of the group Wow. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what kind of camera you got. I know we didn't have that problem before. So, I mean, my camera's gonna... like an awesome camera. You know, when it's clear, it's really good. Well, yeah. I mean, when it's clear, you look like a million bucks, son. I'm gonna message you know? these donkeys right now. When you don't, when you no, 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 we got a show to do. Listen, we got. I got a hard time to be out of here. We got a lot of stuff going on in the pool world. International Open is going on, Joey. I've been catching a little bit of it. It's been a interesting, uh, interesting time. Yeah, I saw you did a post about Roland and uh, Shane, and I didn't catch that match. So take us through that match and and what happened there, because I didn't understand from your post. It kind of seemed like maybe Shane was behind, and then I was like, well, maybe Shane was ahead. Sometimes you don't always describe things in great detail, Melina Mike. No, so Shane's down seven four to Roland, going to going to ten alternate break. Uh, steals a game on Roland's break, protects a game on his break. Uh, great match. Uh, got it. Got it back to I think nine uh, nine or eight nine. Still stole another game, and then Roland just back to back games. Let the wheels come off. Made mistakes that at the time of the match when you don't have any more room to make any more mistakes. I think at nine eight he had a chance to put Shane away. Misses a five ball down the rail that he's supposed to make. You know, a hundred and one times out of a hundred. Um, and then I think he followed that up with. Uh, unfortunate scratch at hill hill so it was, you know uh, yeah. roland's an amazing player but he's that's kind of like his signature right is to to kind of come up just a little short and it's a shame because as good as he plays you would want to see him winning big events and he just doesn't seem to get across the finish line puts himself in position to win a lot but doesn't get across the finish line a lot yeah, I mean, you know, he called himself Mr. Runner-Up, Mr. Bridesmaid for a while because he oh, was did he call second himself place. That? Yeah, he did. He did. He's got a good sense of humor about it. But, you know, came up a little short against Shane, much to the delight of a lot of fans in attendance. But, you know, if I was going to pick someone, 
out of this group and especially up top that was kind of a dark horse um you know Roland might have been that guy because that one right below with Federer who he's playing right now against yeah is just so stacked and, and tough to fade you know yeah, it's an interesting matchup there with Yap and Federer coming off their um, their recent match that they had where Yap got the win. And so you see there he's up 5-3 to three on Federer in this match. So it would be interesting to see if Federer can come back and get revenge here. Uh, but it looks like Yap's doing pretty well so far. Hey, I got I got some homework for you. Well, uh, And by homework, I mean work you can do right now instead of argue with Restream. Okay. <laughs> um, bring up bring up Ed Ladawi's post and go find that Rodney comment. I want to talk about that because that was pretty that was pretty interesting. Kudos to Ed because he texted me late last night telling me there was issues with the racking and they were trying to get it resolved. And yeah, this is already late at night for me, and I'm in Central Time, and they were still there working at the International, trying to figure out what was the issue with uh, the rack out there on the Bigfoot. Oh. Um, I saw this morning that he had, or I woke up this morning and saw his post and. Come to find out, uh, you know, he, um, they were up just, you know, trying to figure out what was causing the problem. Did you find the, uh, the post? Yeah, there? I'm going to share it in a second here. Talking about this one? Yeah, let me turn this on. Oh, that's uh, blurry. Okay, should I make it bigger? See if you can zoom in a little bit. But what I really want to see is go find that Rodney comment in there. Because that okay. Rodney comment was one that I really want to um, have a little bit, just a short discussion about. And just see. Okay. There's Darren. Renfro. It's a live show. Don't worry about it, Joe. <laughs> I'm trying. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Uh, so the object is where it's automatic to make a ball. Good Lord, have we regressed over the decades? And people think the players today are better than before. These guys wouldn't know what to do when we had to break slug racks from guys like Johnny Archer. <laughs> we would play sets and never make a ball in the break. Is that the comment you wanted? That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's it's so true. You know, I used to play on the Planet Pool Tour, Mike, and uh, it was Rack Your Own, right? And you know who played on that tour when they were still playing really good was Keith McCready. And you know who rarely won on that tour was Keith. And some tournaments he'd be playing better than anyone, but he just didn't focus on the rack. He'd just roll them up there. And so I think just years of getting used to rolling the balls up and putting them down for your opponent and not really being meticulous to detail. And then when you have players who maybe didn't play as good as Keith, like a Brandon Schaff or Mike Davis at the time, who were meticulous about how they would rack the balls and they'd break and make two balls on the break and get out from everywhere. So it's it's a different era for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I kind of like that old school, you know, whack it hard and, and not have it be so uh, so precise, you know, because there's a lot more randomness to it. Um, a lot more uh, you got to figure it out and you got to work at getting out, right? You got to work and you got to yeah. use, you know, all those. You got a tool belt, right? And you got to use every one of those tools in order to uh, to be able to get your ass out, out of that rack. And uh, I kind of like Rodney calling out, you know, the generation of today. Maybe I sound old agreeing with them. I don't know. You really do. Uh, 
You really yeah. do. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, when you look at those old videos from like the Sands and stuff of pro players playing back in the day, Earl and Efren, uh, and, you know, there were a lot of racks where they would break them and it was just, poof, even with a neutral racker, not a whole lot of action happening on the break and, you know, clusters and problems and things like that. And it's, it's, it's just changed. You know, it's a different game now. And I think most fans who have played pool, they don't like the idea of pounding the rack and a ball not going in. Kind of feel entitled to it. Yeah, and you see a lot of the players today, even with the uh, you know nine ball, nine on the spot with the break box, it's it's still a finesse shot. You know, if you yeah. see the way that they're trying to cut the one in, um, now you still get it's not as consistent post break as you would, let's say, with the template and the one on the spot, but because you're having balls go into each other, and that's where you'll come out with, you know, these you know, odd combinations of the post-break layouts. But, you know, I like – it's such a balance because as much as making – as much as seeing a slug can make you go, Ugh, like the the way that they have to work in order to get out of the rack, I, I love that part of it. So I don't know where that sweet spot is. And I, and I know we've had this debate, debate a few times on the show, but I don't know, man. I don't know. At least kudos to Ed for putting in the effort to try to get it resolved, I guess. I, I kind of feel like – it's if it's a skill shot, you know, like nine one on the spot nine ball. Anybody can make that corner ball every time, but with the break box and the nine on the spot with the like the matchroom format now, I feel like it's a skill shot, and there's still luck involved, right? The cue ball can hit, come back across, hit the nine, go down in the near the bottom corners, which is going to make a really hard opening shot, or it could go towards the side pocket and scratch like we saw with Albin. So I don't know. I think that's, that's kind of the coolest format for me is using your skill to make a ball and then hoping that the balls work out well for you after that. And then maybe having to use exceptional skill from there on a push out or a really difficult opener, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, there's there's got to be that balance. I feel like while I feel like the basis of the rules are going to stay pretty consistent from here on, at least I'm hopeful, you know, fingers crossed. Um, but there might still be some uh, little slight tweaks here and there. Like, you know, do you remember Darren's idea on uh, on the jump cue? No, what was it? So I want to say Darren said something along the lines of if you hook yourself, you can't use a jump cue. But if your opponent, oh, hooks yeah, you, yeah. you can do it like I think it was once or twice in a rack. Or maybe I like that. Or something. I like I really that because do. you kind of get rewarded for you get to bail yourself out if you hook yourself. And there's no real judgment on that where you're going to have controversy, right? It's pretty clear cut. Either you left yourself the shot, you can't use a jump shot. But if your opponent leaves you the shot, you can pull out the jump cue. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that would be an interesting take. I'd rather see that than a tournament where they're like, no jump cues. Well, see, this is where, I mean, look at the tournament we're talking about now. It's no jump cues. You know? You're pretty so. you're pretty thirsty today. <laughs> well, I haven't I haven't had any uh any caffeine at all today, so I'm a little bit behind. You're getting that caffeine down quick. <laughs> I'm pounding them down. Um well it looks like Fetter stormed ahead six to five in that match with Yap. Well, he was is, down five. He was down five three, I think, just a little bit. Yes, ago. he was. Yeah, um, but the anyway, the Bigfoot's going to be finishing up today. SVB is awaiting the winner of this match. It's a race to ten. Um, pretty, I think this is whenever you start getting paid a little bit. Um, 
moving into the money round, so to speak. So uh, let's move along because last night they had some matches as well, Joe. Uh, Change yeah. on Lim defeats Jason Shaw pretty pretty easily uh, late last night. Bit of a shocker there for for us. I mean, I know I told when we were talking about this tournament before, I mentioned, you know, what a great player Chang was. And, you know, at that point, you you were saying that he's kind of underachieved lately, I think, not to put words in your mouth, but I think that's kind of what you were alluding to. And then I kind of conceded and agreed with that. But yet he comes up with a big win here, 10 to 4 over Jason Shaw. I didn't catch the match. Uh, but that's a pretty decisive victory there for Chang. And with Jason's shot-making ability, we kind of felt like he might be the favorite on the 10-foot table here. So uh, a little bit surprised to see that. Well, you know, Chang Chang was hitting the ball in such a way that um, the mistakes that Jason had left on the table with, you know, the previous match with John, he just wasn't going to get away with um, here with Chang. It looked like Jason was using a wood shaft, carbon, I'm sorry, a carbon fiber shaft. So I don't know if that played any factor you know, maybe making a change right now. Um, wow, what a time to make a change. It's interesting for sure because – After Hanoi, his, before Moscone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes you it makes you wonder a little bit without, without a doubt. But listen, Chang Jun-Lin, as much as I can, uh, you know, show you results where he has disappeared on tournament brackets, the guy, if you leave him an open table, four-and-a-half-inch po- pockets – He's going to get out, especially given how a lot of his play lately, especially his recent success, has been on a Chinese eight foot table. I mean, eight, uh, eight ball table, right? Where you got to really be dialed in when it comes to your shot making. Um, so, are those tables nine foot though, Mike? Or are they a little smaller? I think they're nine footers. Yeah. If so. you guys know in the chat, let us know. I've, I've never played on one. Um, I've always wanted to. I think they're kind of cool. Obviously, they bring in a different dynamic with the cut of the pockets and the way you got to play balls. But I, I'm just not sure of the length of those tables, and I'd be curious to know. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Fetter changing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Fetter's going to be announcing his new equipment sponsor, uh, you know, coming up pretty soon as well. So I'm sure fans are going to be excited and, and uh, you know, looking forward to hearing hearing that also. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Jason, you know, this is his time of year. Usually I still expect him to have a pretty good run at the international because he's always had, he's always had success here, you know, um, as far as going deep in the event and also have won it, uh, previously as well. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but big win for Chang, you know, it's not going to get any easier because you're going to have to face the winner of Conrad and, and, and Josh filler, uh, Josh defeats Alex 10-4. Conrad defeats Mario He 10-4, which I think I'd call that Conrad match. I'm, I'm yeah, well, we talked about how well Conrad had played, I think, at Derby on the 10-foot table. And uh, certainly a convincing win there, 10-4. Back to Real quick, back to Jason Shaw. Uh, obviously, this 10-ball this event is important to them, but the real event is the 9-ball event. He's two rounds through in that event. So I do look for big things out of him. He's playing uh, Dennis Grabe uh, will be his next match there. But yeah, I think um, Conrad was uh, probably our pick. I think you and I both picked him, even though Mario has been playing well, just won the American 14.1 and filler gets by Alex Paggy lion. You were, you had put up a little uh, upset alert there on Alex, but it didn't come to fruition. Just said that filler had had problems with him in the past. Yeah, I mean his break is is just such a it it leaves him so far behind. Liability. You know, watch, 
Yeah, watching Alex try to break ten ball is is rough, and that's even with the template, you know. So um, I wonder why that is. I mean, you know, a player of his caliber, if he spends a little bit of time on that, he'll get that breakdown, and maybe he just hasn't focused on it. Maybe it's just age too, Joe. You know? Yeah, uh, Father Time's undefeated, but the one thing that I'll say, watching that match in particular, even though it was a ten four scoreline, is there was a lot of uh, a lot of safety play. A lot of watching them, you know, kick at balls, two, three rails, a lot of trying to figure out how to put them in like the worst possible spot where like you're playing safe, but you're also, you know, playing caroms off the one ball or something to like really hide the one ball and even worse. But it was just beautiful to watch, you know, two top players who know uh, how to use the table to their advantage and to make it a disadvantage for their opponent and just see them like see those wheels turning, you know, yeah. and then watching them execute. It was a lot of fun. I, like that match out of all of them. I enjoyed more than anything up to this point. Yeah. Who do you like in this filler uh, Conrad match? Yeah. I mean, Josh is probably going to go in there, you know, I'd say probably a two or three game favorite over Conrad just for the namesake alone, you know, betting wise, you're probably looking at, um, you know, Conrad maybe getting the three as more of a, uh, of favor for you, you know, because you got to win score line of 10, six or better if you'd be laying it. Um, but Josh, I mean, and, and rightfully so he's going to be the one, I think he was in the, the finals last year, uh, loses to Fetter. So he's going to look to make another run. And he's in a pretty favorable spot because, you know, in this in this round outside of the Shane match, um, you know, this might have been the softest match for the more favored opponent, you know, if you if you think about it like that. So what, Josh and Conrad or potentially? Yeah, yeah, Josh yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, Shane was a pretty big favorite over Roland, although Roland would have covered whatever game line there was, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Chang and Shaw was pretty evenly matched, I would say, probably on, on the betting line. Um, but Conrad Filler, no disrespect to Conrad, you know, Josh is going to go in there a few game favorite. So um, as far as just like for the opponent and the namesake, right, Conrad just isn't the name like a Jason or, you know, a Yap or Fetter or, or you know, decorated like these guys are. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in that Fetter match, it's showing 7-5 Fetter over Aloysius Yap now. So assuming Fetter moves on, which is a big assumption at this point, uh, it would be an all USA semifinal. <laughs> I'm always going to suffer when I say that. That still uh, makes me like a little cringe. I'm not going to lie, Joe. Yeah. So Shane versus uh, Fetter in that semifinal potentially, or Shane versus Yap. You think Shane will get that done and win that match? I think he'll have his hands full, you know, like anything else when it comes to template 10 ball, it's going to come down to the break. I think at this point, um, I mean, Federer is just so he's just he's such a brilliant mind, you know, and uh, is is a real student of the game where Shane's already kind of put in that work, so to speak. Um, and so when it comes to like the post the post break play, I, I'd probably give the edge to um, to Federer. You know, there was a couple of balls, at least in that Roland match where I saw Shane leave on the table where, you know, good luck leaving that up there with Federer because he's going to take your rack and then he's going to probably do pretty uh, good work on his own. So, um, and <clears throat> you know, we've been playing a lot of nine ball on the spot. We've been playing a lot of this 10 ball with the pro beard series using a triangle rack and used to mm -hmm. seeing, you know, Federer breaking from the side, but let's not forget when you put a template and 10 ball with Federer, he's arguably a top four breaker in the world. So um, if he spent any time just knocking off that rust and getting that dialed in, and I'd imagine for 16,000, you know, he put in some work on there. Um, Top four, Mike? I mean, isn't he the best? 
I, I, I mean, I wouldn't. Ten ball breaking? I, he's got to be the best with a template. Who is he beating? Who is he beating playing a long race of ten ball template? I mean. Who, Fetter? Yeah. Beat Jeff DeLuna. Yeah, but I mean, he's, I don't know. I don't know what three players you put above Fetter Gorst for a ten ball. I mean, that guy, right. that guy right there waiting for him, I'd probably put ahead of him right now. Really? You know, just for resume alone. You know, mm. Shane's cut his teeth to be known as one of the best 10-ball breakers on the planet, playing, you know, the Dennis's of the world, playing all these big names over, playing Chang Jun Lin, you know, in, in big money sets. Not who are the other better. two you have in that top four? I'm putting you on the spot here, but I'm just curious. Oh, man, that's interesting. Yeah, you really are putting me on the spot. Right? <laughs> you just <laughs> you can't throw something out there and not be held accountable. What yeah, about no Tyler? Kidding. Would you put Tyler in that? I think Tyler's probably on, you know, from the outside looking in, but he's close. You know, yeah. Tyler's ten ball break can be pretty, uh, pretty deadly as well. Um, and I think that's a he's 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 earned that. Um, but I don't know. I can't put him above Federer. That's for sure. You know, at least not yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have to. I'd have to chew on a little bit. Chang would be, you know, on that short list whenever he's got it right. Um, I'm trying to think, man. You know. Uh, you got to go beat great. Nick DeLeon. I mean, I thought what Nick, I just he's looked at the conversation because he's, you know, he's just <laughs> he's, a goat in Arizona, right? <laughs> he's got a great 10 ball break. Yeah. <laughs> My buddy, Nick. <laughs> uh, okay. So maybe a top three somewhere okay. around there. You know, just because yeah. you can't think of four. Okay, got yeah. it. <laughs> well, I've, I've only, I'm only working my way through the first cup of coffee. Okay, so. sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, but you know, he's he, Feder. Look, Feder's got to play bigger name players. You know, in in a big set in order to get that kind of that title. Oh. Not that not take anything away from his greatness, but you don't I, get that by by playing like you know Jeff playing ten ball. I kind of think that's going to be a problem because nobody's going to play him. Well, that's a big part of it, yeah. Sure, you yeah. Know, maybe if they're dodging it, maybe that's that's that's, a, that's know, one of the reasons that, we that's see respect as well matching up in one pocket quite a bit, right? Because he can't get the rotation action. If you look at the way, you know, with the the team that he has behind him and the way he's been managed, um, it's easy to kind of, I guess, throw in your opinions about how he's been managed, but you, I bet you that there's some hardcore gamblers out there that say they've missed a huge opportunity, especially with how much he's gotten into one pocket now and, and just jumped right to the top of the one pocket uh, rankings, essentially, you know, well, where I mean, he was, probably could have spent two years beating, you know, the, I don't know, um, Hennessy's and uh, Richie Richardson's and players like that to pad his pockets you know, and, and uh, now he's right up there with the top four or so one pocket players in the world. Well, I remember, I think it was just last year, the year prior where he was supposed to play Roberto, you know, and then he kind of just skips that plays Tony. We all seen what he did to Tony, right? Yeah. Um, played him twice now, you know, that right. he could play game. Roberto. He could have played Chip. He could have played Josh. He could have played Evan. He could have played a well, lot played, of players well, in played, that like really good one pocket player realm, but he, he kind of stepped right up. Yeah, I mean, he played yeah. Chip, you know. And, yeah, he and, did play uh, Chip, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, it's a matter of that kid's also a competitor yeah. too, you know. And so I think to say I want to be the best is something that's just here with him, you know. And he's a he's a born winner and a, yeah. and a, and a, a workhorse, right? So um, 
I think like if you're going to get a glass of water, he wants he wants to beat you to the jug. So uh, <laughs> he's got he's got that kind of that kind of spirit in him, which I admire, right? But from a a, a dollars and cents standpoint, you know maybe there's some uh, better. It, there might have been a, a better road traveled. Yeah, and you know, I don't mean anything against his camp because I'm terrible at that stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy that'll walk into a pool room and say, "Hey, I play pretty good. Does somebody want to play?" You know, I I'm not going to sit there and, and kind of be on the stall. So I completely get it, and I get, I get Fetter's competitive nature and how he wants to be the best and just you know pretty much play anybody. But I'm just saying, I think they left some money on the table. Well, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just it is what it is, right? One pocket's probably going to be the game for the kid. You know, going forward, Shane's not getting any younger, although I've been hearing, you know, some potential talks about them finally getting together and, do and playing think, a decent set. Do you think Federer leaving Q-Tech helps that to happen? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I don't think that was necessarily the biggest sticking point, like maybe the fans would make it out to be. I think it was more of um, making sure that the players got taken care of on top of whatever gambling is done. You know, I've, from what I've heard anyway, that that was more um, of a sticking point. And the other thing is, which is just the reality of life, uh, there's not a lot of, you know, windows of of opportunity to be able to play these matches because the calendar is getting so hectic. Everyone's traveling all over the world. Uh, yeah. It doesn't seem to be letting up any. So everything has to be done far in advance in order to line it up to where, uh, you know, guys can play at some place like maybe the Derby or something, you know, where. You can kind of get your money in. You're not going to get, you're not going to get this three day race to a hundred type match, but you know, maybe you can get a race to 25 in a night or something. So, you know, Mike, now that you mentioned it, think about how much has changed since it really in the last 18 to 24 months, we're not seeing those big, long, you know, two man tournaments anymore. <clears throat> we're just not seeing them. It seemed like we were on a run there where every month or every other month, you had Shane versus Dennis, Skyler versus Dennis, Fetter versus whoever. You know, it's, it just seems like those have dried up, yeah? Well, there's a lot that goes into it, you know, and I think part of that, we talked about this just, just a second ago when it comes to the players being compensated, I feel like the players are trying to negotiate more to where they're getting guaranteed money, but it it it's a lot of risk for the room or whoever's putting up the money, yeah. you know, and where it doesn't necessarily makes make a whole lot of sense. What's that noise, Joe? Yeah. The stupid neighbor has people out here doing the weed whacker. Um, Is it real loud? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah, but, sorry. No, it's all right. Uh, but that's, and, and while I can, while I can understand, um, you know, players want to get compensated. You've got to make sure that, the ones who are feeding you are are left, you know, to be satisfied as well, you know. So got to make sure that their bellies even are are half full, right? Because if if rooms across the country are the ones put the money, but they're the ones taking the bath on the deal, the players are getting compensated. Well, then room then word kind of gets out, right? You know, putting up X amount of dollars isn't necessarily the the best move. Right. Yeah, it's tough. And they try to sell the VIP seats and then, you know, they're not successful with that. Sometimes there's there's ways to make money from those events, but it takes a grind. It takes somebody out there really pushing it to sell the VIP seats, to sell pay-per-view or sell whatever it is they're going to do so that they can compensate the players for making the trip out there. And then 
obviously the players can make money if they win the match too, but there's a lot of moving parts there. Well, players got to do a better job of, of selling the fight. You know, and that's one thing that Federer is really aware about. You know, the kid's got a sharp mind and and knows that you got it's got to be a little it's got to be a little uh a little spicy pre-fight in order to get people excited. You know? Yeah. So I love that calling out that he did of, of shame and it was still done, you know, tastefully and respectfully, right? Yeah. But you got to like you got to poke the bear a little bit, right? I'm not saying turn <laughs> I'm not saying turn pool into the WWE, but the pool pool needs more personality because if not, what you're going to get left with is go buy the AccuStats pay per view, turn on the the button, and go yeah. see how go see how that how that arena looks, you know, at eight o'clock at night because that's what you're going to get left with, yeah. You know, if you're if you're a room owner, so uh, and that's with world class players that are guaranteed to be there, let alone just two guys that are going to be there over let's say one to three days, so. Um, it's a tough ask, you know, and players have to do a better job of helping to build up the pre-fight stuff, you know, because yeah. pool needs pool needs some pool needs some jabbing a little bit, Joe. Yeah. Know? So, Mike, I got to ask you the commentary from the International Open. You know, Mike Siegel's not my favorite guy. What he did to me when I was younger. <laughs> he what, probably what doesn't if, even. What did he you know, do, Joe? I don't even know. What did he do? Come on, you've heard the story. I go no, up I don't to know him. What are you talking about? I go up to him at the Super Billiards Expo. He's got a booth with cues, and I'm like, "Hey, Mr. Siegel, really excited to meet you." You know, and go to shake his hand. He's like, "Yeah, kid, you gonna buy a cue? All right, get out of here." <laughs> Damn, did you like that, Joe? I didn't like well, it. It hurt my feelings. I wouldn't have so, liked it had I had I known that. I wouldn't have been so nice to him yesterday. Were you? No, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, you know, I got to catch a few minutes of it and wow, it's just different, man. What'd you think? Oh, it's brutal. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, listen, I've never, I've never gotten brain freeze listening to someone do commentary before, you know, yeah. like my head hurt listening to this dude and he's still talking. He ain't stopped talking since yesterday. You know, <laughs> and, like, the guy just. And poor Mark Wilson. I haven't always been the biggest fan of of Mark Wilson's commentary. I've met Mark recently. I like his over the last few years. I and I've, I'm enjoying it more for sure. Yeah. Um. Like but um. Yeah. Mike is is a uh, uh is a different guy. Well, the problem um, is there's you know who does this beautifully is Carl Boyce, where there's times where he just doesn't say anything. You don't have to fill dead air, and I think some people think that. If there's silence, you have to start talking automatically. The players are the stars. The players are there's doing no things. There's no silence when he's when he's in there. There's no silence. Mark can't That's even get a, a, a word in edgewise. The guy's just – look, there are a lot of parents I'm sure watching, right? Everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say this, but your kids were probably a little hopped up on sugar last night and we're just going a million miles an hour. That, that's Mike the whole time he's doing commentary. I mean just going and going and going. And I'm yeah. just for the life of me – you can add value to that experience by just giving little nuggets here or there. But when you're, when, and when you, when people are thirsty and you're pouring water on them nonstop, well, now you're just drowning them. Right. Yeah. And, it's and that's, it's way too much, you know? Yeah. And, and, but I think Look, he's goes- a legend of the sport, Mike, he's a legend of the sport. He's got a lot of knowledge. 
Just because you're a legendary player doesn't mean you're you're going to be legendary in in the booth, Joe. Well, that's no. my point. Is no. like to use your strengths. Your strengths are your knowledge of the game, you know, your experience, and tell us about the shots, but not fill every gap of air. Oh man, this yeah. is so loud. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm going to mute real. quick. No, you're good. You're good. I, yeah, I think like it's it. There is that that sweet spot. I don't think Mike's anywhere near that sweet spot, not even close. Um, but listen, I think it just goes back to, you know, part of that team putting on the production, right? Because you got to have awareness, man. Like if you have listened to that for 10 minutes, then you are aware enough to know, hey, this isn't working out. But yeah. not only do they keep the show going like that, but then he's continuing to be in there, right? It really makes me just, it, it just, it completely uh, leaves a bitter taste in your mouth when you're watching, you know, and pool is already, look, you can have great players play, great players playing on the best equipment, using the best equipment themselves, but that's not going to move pool in the right direction, right? Because a camera over a pool table with three old people in the seats isn't going to get people excited about it. You know, it's all the bells and whistles around it. It's the production, it's the commentary. It's the atmosphere. It's the it's you got to create that buzz, right? When you have you something that's feeling, important. yeah, you get the feeling that he's used to being the center of attention, and no, he's making it about him. It's not about him. You know, you're watching Rodney Morris at the table, and you know, playing some other play. It's not about the guy behind the microphone, and when it is about the guy behind the microphone, that's a problem. And you and I have been pretty critical lately of commentators, and I kind of feel bad about it because it's not an easy job. And the truth is you and I should do more of it. We should get out there and do more of it so people can no. knock us a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. I love we know, we, we know our we, – uh, well, I mean, it's fun, but it's all with – it's it's like anything else, right? It's all uh, – uh, it's got to be portioned right, you know? Um, it takes yeah. a certain kind of person – it takes a certain individual to be able to sit there and – not sound redundant or like you're repeating yourself on certain things. And that's part of the beauty of the color and the tech side of, you know, certain combinations of, of, of people. And we know who we're talking about, you know, it, guys who just do me, a really It's good about job. humility, Mike. It's about humility. So what I would love is when I was commentating a match and somebody would come into the comments and they would say, huh, who's that commentating? Because I would always look at that as I said something insightful but I didn't make it like back in 22 when I was playing blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. It's just, Hey, I think if he plays this ball with a little left-hand spin, he can beat the scratch, come around two rails and get shape on this ball. And sure enough, they pull it off. And then you see a comment like who's commentating that match. Right. And I think that's, that's what it is. Commentators need to be, they need to add value, but not make it about themselves. Yeah. That's all I'll say. You know, it's, it's not to be ugly or negative per se towards anyone or, you know, in particular, it's just, it's tough, you know? And, and this is like, um, a, um, uh, how can you say like an industry wide issue right now that I feel like we're in where you just have this generation of fans who just, those guys can do no wrong. Right. Yeah. Like there's just, they were my heroes growing up. I want to listen to them all. And it's not, it's not easy on the ears, you know, and yeah. for the vast majority of, but like they only hear the positives, right? You got to have people that are willing to kind of keep you, um, keep it real with you too. And let you know, Hey, this isn't, 
you know, working out. You know, there's other guys that that can do just as great of a job, but they create like this really awesome experience. Like I saw Jeremy in Florida. Why the hell ain't Jeremy over there when he's done it before in years past working yeah. at the international, you know? So uh, make it $40 a pop on races. The three challenge the pro. <laughs> well, then in that case, I guess I understand why he's over there. I um, was thinking about that. If the, if it started at like eight o'clock at night, how many races, the three could you win before 2 AM and the bar closes at $40 a pop? He's running. He's running. You know what I mean? It's like, I could see it now. Somebody loses their race to three. They want to shake his hand and talk to him. And he's like, next, next. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we see a lot of comments about like IQ and stuff like that and things that you're mentioning, but you still got to have personality and charisma and you got to be able to have your finger on the pulse and when to give it a little gas and when to ease up off the gas, you know? And that's just something that um, you're going to have to just get, get a feel for. Uh, and I, I hate to break some hearts, you know, those Mike Siegel fans and you know, he's a legend and all that, but he's brutal on the microphone, man. I mean, the guy just will not be quiet and he won't let you enjoy it. it I, I've, if, if people are going out of their way to say something a little negative, that means that there's been hours of built up for them to get to that point to where they finally just had enough, you know? And so who's been listening out there that hasn't heard the same thing and know that, Hey, this isn't necessarily working out so well, you know? Yeah. Take, take, take two weeks off and then quit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Melina, listen, this show's been fun, but my, I'm blurry. I got a yard guy out here blowing the the air. Before we let you go, give me the winner. We got, uh, I don't know what the score is with Fetter right now, but he was up. Fetter is, it's seven, seven. There you go. Seven, 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 seven. You got Chang waiting the winner of, of of Filler and Conrad. Shane waiting the winner of Yap and Fetter. Give me the winner of the Bigfoot because it ends tonight. I'm going to go with the Yap. Wow. He may not even get past Fetter. That's pretty strong. Okay. That's a that's a bold pick there, son. Let's I'm going it. I'm going with Filler. I'm going with Filler uh, winning the Bigfoot. So I don't know how much of a limb that is to go out on, but uh, we'll see. And Franco, we see your comment. I'm still going to work on Corey. Pray for me. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, I got to run. We'll see you guys later. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. Shout out to all of our sponsors up here, all of these guys down here. Check out our Patreons. We appreciate all you guys, and we'll try to do something. Are you free tonight, Joe? Yes. All right, let's do something tonight. We'll holler at you guys later.